So the letter to the Corinthians was undoubtedly written by Paul the Apostle. Uh, Sophonies was his amanuensis. Uh, that's probably not exactly how you say that, but that's how I'm going to say it. Basically, he's his scribe. Uh, Paul uh, dictated the letter to him here, and then Sosthenes would have written that for him. Uh, time written was somewhere between uh, A.D. 56 and 57. Most scholars lean towards the latter date, somewhere in 57 A.D. The letter was written uh, to the Church of God. That's something that I want us all to think about as we go through our study the, the letter was written to the church of God uh, in Corinth. Not the church in Corinth, but to the church of God in Corinth. Uh, Paul was writing from Ephesus at this time. Uh, the background here, uh, some more background. Corinth was the sin center of the Roman Empire in Paul's day. It was labeled Vanity Fair. Uh, its location was about 40 miles west of Athens on a narrow isthmus between Peloponnesus and the mainland. It was a great commercial center uh, of the Roman Empire with three harbors, two of which were very important. Uh, Lycaeum about one, of, one and a half miles to the west and Centuria about eight and a half miles to the east. Uh, if you take a look of Greece at this, uh, from this era, the southern end is almost an island. It narrows down to a place where it's like four miles across. Any commerce going from, the, uh, from north to south, that is from Macedonia to Achaia, had to pass through uh, Corinth. So most of the commerce that was going from the east to the west also passed through Corinth because around the south tip of Greece, the Cape of Methene was so treacherous that the sailors didn't like to sail around uh, that area. So they would usually sail to Corinth, and if their ships were light enough, they would take them out of the water and put them on rollers and roll them across the four miles and then launch them again. These were some tough dudes, I guess. Uh, I just, I think just, I would just carrying a canoe a few feet from the water and setting it down when I'm at the lake uh, or up the river somewhere with uh, my fishing buddy, Bud, is a plenty for me. I just, you know, that's just, I can't imagine four miles trudging across maybe mud and dirt and hills and rocks and going across, but uh, these guys were definitely seamen. Uh, so they would take this and then put them up there on rollers and that would help them get it across there. Uh, so that made that a little easier, but still it's four miles. Um, and then they would launch again in the Aegean Sea uh, and then they would sail to Puteoli, uh, the port of Rome, and the same coming back. If the ships were too big to transport across the land, they would unload the ships and then uh, probably as part of this same process, they'd get the cargo from one side of, of, of uh, Corinth there to the other, picked up by another ship, and then taken to uh, its destination from there. Uh, Nero, uh, uh, subsequently, seeing the advantage of this, uh, thought that he would put, you know, he said this would be a great place to to dig a canal across here so we could just get the ships through here on water because they float a lot better than they do going across these rollers. And he attempted to build a canal at some time and, but failed and then uh, I think he uh, actually died before that got very far. Interestingly enough, he used Jewish uh, slaves to start that process to start to get them across there. Uh, he failed to do that, though. So 
Later, uh, the same people, you've heard of the Suez Canal. Uh, the, the men that built that uh, were, the, were, were come, I guess, uh, hired to come down and build the Corinthian Canal. And now, if you look, there's a, a canal that connecting the Aegean Sea with the Adriatic Sea. I looked at some pictures. I didn't get any to put up here tonight. But there's like cruise ships like that are going through one side of this canal to the other. And I mean, they're like, you know, I don't know how far, but it looks like they're really close to each side of the cliff. And it's just like straight up where they've dug this out. I think that'd be a little interesting to be on one of those cruise ships to pass through there. But anyway, I'm sure that's quite a, quite a sight. Uh, in uh, 196 BC, Rome declared the city a free city, Corinth. Uh, in 146 BC, it rebelled and was totally destroyed by Mummius. The council in 46 BC, uh, Julius Caesar rebuilt the city in great elegance, restoring it to its former prominence. Um, however, even its ruins were lost to history for many years, and a fishing village was built over them. <clears throat> in 1928, an earthquake kind of uncovered them. Uh, now much of the city has been excavated again. Uh, the Temple of Aphrodite built on the Acro-Corinthus. Uh, the temple was attended by a thousand priest, uh, priestesses, you know, of vice, basically prostitutes. Uh, and the whole city basically was given over to licentiousness, licentiousness and pleasure. Uh, the Isthmian Games were conducted here. These were second only to the Olympic Games. Uh, here's where Paul preached the gospel, founded the church, and later wrote the epistles, uh, First and Second Corinthians. Uh, so let's take a look. Uh, if you would take, uh, or I'm sorry, turn in your Bibles to uh, chapter 18 of Acts. We'll start at verse one kind of get an idea or lay some groundwork for us of how Paul got to this place and founded the church in Corinth. <clears throat> so in verse uh, or in chapter 18 verse 1 it says after these things Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome, and he came to them. So, because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for by occupation. They were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogues every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. Uh, when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from now on. I will go to the Gentiles. And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue, then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent. 
for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And he continued there for a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Uh, when Gallio was pro-council of Cai, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, O Jews, there would be reason why I should bear with you. But if it is a question of words and names and your own law, look to it yourselves, for I do not want to be a judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. Uh, then all the Greeks took Sothenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. But Gallio took no notice of these things. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Some people talked about this Sothenes maybe being the same one that was the guy that uh, scribed or uh, took the dictation for this letter that we're, we're studying tonight. Possible, maybe not, I don't know. Uh, that probably was a fairly common name in Greece at that time. So it's just a kind of a neat thing. It's interesting that, um, you know, if this was the guy, and after we, as we read here, Paul is guaranteed or told by the Lord that, you know, I have many people in this town, and nobody's going to bother you, nobody's going to hurt you. He apparently did not say that same thing to Sothenes because... He got, uh, seemed like they took out all their uh, grief on him. So, anyway, let's go back to 1 Corinthians. Jump around here a little bit. And we'll start, and I'll read verses 1 through 3. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sothenes, our brother, to the church of God who is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, sanctified in Christ, set apart for him as believers, called to be saints, all believers are saints, no special uh, duty or sacrificial life needed to be saints, just believers in the one true God and Savior, Jesus. Uh, we are saints if we're believers, if we're all believers here tonight, all of us who that are believers here tonight are saints because we belong to Him, Jesus, not because we are someone, but that we belong to someone who is our all, right? Uh, all believers are part of the body of Christ. For those near and far, those far away, uh, we're able to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is theirs <clears throat> and that are far away and ours that are here. So wherever we're at, you know, if you're here in, at Calvary Chapel in Wichita tonight and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, Christ is yours. If you're in Colorado, Texas, wherever you're at, all around the world, we have brothers and sisters around the whole world, and those are, uh, Christ is theirs just as he's ours here as well. Uh, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, the source of blessing and peace, are a result of one who accepts the grace of God. So here we have Paul's greeting to the church of God in Corinth. Paul states he is an apostle through the will of God, not man. That's another important thing that we need to remember. 
Uh, it seems that there were some people that had a little bit of problem with Paul calling himself an apostle, or that, that he really was an apostle. And he wants to, wants to make sure that they know that nobody, no man, not himself, chose himself to, you know, Paul didn't chose, choose, let me, let me use the right word there. Paul didn't choose to make himself an apostle. He was chosen of God. He was called to be an apostle by God. So not of man. There was no man that put, laid hands on Paul and said, now you're an apostle. Paul uh, was called to be an apostle by God. So we have blessing from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ of grace and peace. Uh, this gets us to our next section, so we'll read verses 4 through 9. Uh, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him, in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, verse 4, Paul says he thanks God always concerning them for the grace of God, which was a gift by Jesus Christ. Um, You know, all of us are here, are here by the grace of God. We're called into the fellowship of His believers. We're called to be saints. We've been called here tonight, you know, on purpose. Um, God has a plan and a purpose with everything that He chooses to let happen or that He makes happen. And it's all by His grace. I want us to all remember that. Paul had something, to, something positive to say and encourage the believers in Corinth. And he wanted to make sure that they knew God was the one he thanked for them, right? They were enriched by Him, Christ, with tongues and wisdom. They had the testimony of Christ. They received and believed in Him. They also were not inferior in any way to any other churches. But having been given the gifts is not a sign of spiritual maturity. Paul here is really praising God for what God had done for the Corinthians. See, all glory, all praise goes to our Father. All, all that goes to Jesus Christ. It's all His. He wanted them to understand praise is the gift of God. It's, uh, the praise is to the gift giver, not to the receiver. Not any gift, right? For the gifts were to be used for others. Uh, for their benefit, for the benefit of others, not for their own. I have a quote here from uh, David Gusick. He said, The work of God in the Corinthian Christians could be seen by what they said, by what they learned, by the supernatural element in their lives, and by their expectant anticipation of Christ's return. It's all by the grace of God, isn't it? So waiting for the revelation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they were confirmed by their relationship with Christ to the end. The Corinthian church was blameless, and until the day of Jesus Christ, because God is faithful, not because of their works or anything else, they were called into the fellowship of God's Son. In Christ alone they stood, 
we also stand alone in him, saved and sanctified, if we have believed that promise of God for eternal life. I was going to start my timer so I would be on time. I usually am on time, but I can run a little bit long sometimes. So, uh, big important question I want everybody to I want to ask you for a second, or just think about, uh, contemplate on your own here for a minute or two as we're going through some of the rest of this. Big important question. Are you standing on that rock of salvation, which is Jesus? That, that's something very important. That's the, if, that, if we have any other question that we asked here tonight, that's the most important one that needs to be answered in our own hearts before we leave these doors, before we go anywhere else. That's a question that I hope that everybody has confirmed in their hearts and they've made and they've trusted and they've believed in Jesus Christ for their salvation. So let's think about some things in this section here. Paul's love for the Corinthian was evident. He was writing uh, this letter to correct some thinking that had crept into the church of God at Corinth. Also, he had received a letter from them that they had questions. The three things here, Paul was faithful to do and go where he was sent. Two, he continued his care for this church long after his departure. He steadfastly prayed continually for them, for their maturity in Christ, their relationship with Christ, their relationships with each other and the last, I'm sorry, with each other and the lost around them. Very important. You know, I think that a lot of people would call this like aftercare. Our moniker, I guess, so to speak, for the church here is win, build, and send. Win people to Christ, build them up in Christ, and send them out in Christ. Very important stuff, right? Making disciples. Making disciples who will go out and do the same likewise, that they'll go out all over the world, and experience, give people the experience to know, just like Paul did, being faithful to what they were called to, to go wherever you're called, wherever I'm called, wherever we're at, to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ to people who are lost and dying in this world. That's what Paul did. He was faithful in these things. Sometimes it, it, it gets really tough. It gets tough just getting up in the morning sometimes and thinking about what you're going to do that day if you've got a busy schedule and work and whatever it is. And a lot of times we block out exactly why we're here and what we're doing and what, what our purpose here is. If we belong to Christ, if we're saints in Him, and we are, we've already talked about that, our plan and our purpose, as Patrick would tell us, is to tell other beggars where us as beggars found bread, right? And tell them about the bread of life, that they might partake of that same bread that we've taken. And so, like, we're emptying this planet out. We're making pilgrims and sojourners. That's, 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 that's the thing that we get to do, right? 
It's not that we have to do it. It's not a burden. It's not a chore. We can make it that way. But just as Paul was making sure that he tried to instill in the Corinthian church and continue along with them the faithfulness that God had to them by sending him and sending others and building up the church and raising up leaders and doing those things there, how important it was for them to take a hold of those things and mature in those things and build others up in that same thing. We're part of multiplication through telling others about Christ. God does all the work. We just get to tell people about this wonderful God who came down from heaven, put himself on a cross and died and bled for us, was sinless, the sinless lamb of God for you and me that we might have an opportunity to have eternal life if we believe and trust in him. So we, we get to tell other people about that. What an, what an awesome ministry. We get to go wherever we're at. If it's the grocery store, if it's the place we work at, if it's the gas station at a gas pump. Uh, I'm sure you can think of lots of places, you know. If you're on vacation, what's our purpose and our plan? To tell other people about Jesus. How'd you get here today? Well, you know, God did this really cool thing. That's how I got here. And then you get to tell your story, or actually his story, God's story, about what he did with you, how he got you to be to the place of believing and trusting in him for salvation, right? You know, you, we can get discouraged, we can get... Uh, we can feel like we're softenies, that we've been somewhere and we've spoken about or for Christ and somebody said, I don't like what you're saying. And they're going to, you know, I think generally, mostly here in America, you're going to get words. But there's some other parts of the world where you're going to get more than words and more than maybe what you bargained for, right? And that's the tough part. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus Christ and what he did for us, all those things, right, just kind of fade away in, in what's going on. It's like, I'll take those for him. You know, like the apostle said, what a, what a privilege it is to join in the tribulations and the trouble that Christ suffered on this earth to be a part of what he did and is doing here on earth. What a joy that is. I mean, I, like I said, I think sometimes we forget who we are. We get mixed up in the world and the things that are going on, and we forget how good God is, how faithful he is, how he saved us, how much he loves us, even in that state, right? When you get to that state, he doesn't go, look, all of a sudden, well, you know what? You were a saint yesterday, but today you're not a saint because you didn't witness to the guy at the gas pump. No, 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 friends. That's not how he is. Just like Paul, just like he'd sent Paul, 
God's faithful. Even when we're faithless, God is faithful, right? We remember that. And if we're listening, if we're looking, if we're trusting, and we're asking, we're seeking, and we're knocking, He's going to speak to us. Lord, I've kind of lost my way. I've kind of gotten diverted. I, I, I used to tell everybody at the gas station, that was my idea. I'd run out of gas just so I could get there and tell people about you. I used to go to work with just on fire for Jesus, and I'd have a time of study there in front of everybody in the break room and tell them about Jesus. I was reminded the other day, I went out, uh, my wife and I, went out to lunch uh, this last weekend with a couple. And uh, they asked the waitress, they said, hey, we're getting ready to pray for our meal. Is there anything we can pray for you for? And I was like, that's awesome. And, I, and, and the lady was like, uh, yeah, you know, by the, my dad needs prayer. And it was just so cool because God was at work. We didn't do anything. We didn't, wasn't anything special. We didn't, you know, do anything crazy. It was just like, just simply asking somebody, do you need prayer? Just those little words right there. Bless that lady's heart that day because somebody was willing to intercede for her, her dad who was having trouble. I'm not sure if she got that very much. Maybe never she had gotten that working there where she worked at. But it blessed her. But it also convicted me a little of, I've kind of lost that temper, that idea, that thought. Because we get busy in our own mind and our own lives and we forget what we're here for. Paul kept after it. Paul kept checking on those people that, that he knew and he loved, and he'd gone to this place, and he'd taken some great pains and stakes to go into this, this part of, of Greece and, 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 witness and, test, and witness and testify to Jesus Christ there. And we know that many other places he didn't fare so well. You know, he was beaten one time and everything left for dead, and they threw him out of the city, you know, like, refuge basically and he got up later right and he walks back into town to tell him some more about this most of the time for us we won't get out of our car to do anything or to tell anybody about anything because we forget who and why we're here and see we get to put in all the burden and all the trouble and all the the pressure on ourselves. And, 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 and the pressure is not due to us, right? We just have to tell people where we found bread. And we have to remember, it's a get to, not a have to. I get to tell somebody that I'm going to heaven. I get to tell somebody how much Jesus loved me and died and rose again on the third day and he's back sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And he's going to come back and get us one of these days. And it's going to be so awesome. You want to go? Do you want to go? Hey, how about you? I mean, that's good news, right? Every headlines that we read all the time, it's like, there's no good news. Nobody has any good news. I work with Robert, and we look at the news in the morning, and it's like, where's the good news? There is no good news on there. Probably shouldn't even look at it. It's just horrible. 
It's just one thing after another. They're mocking this person and that person, and these people did this and that thing. It's like, man, you can, we can get pretty disgruntled about the world and everything, just filling our minds and our hearts with that. And then it's like, what are we going to do today? I'm just going to go to work and do whatever we're doing because this world's really bad. Wait a minute. We're getting out of this world. We're pilgrims and sojourners. We have a better place to go to, right? <laughs> That's good news. Heart starts getting to beating a little bit better. You feel a little bit better. And you're like, man, I want to go tell people about Jesus. I want to think about what Paul did. I want to read these letters that he, that he wrote to these Corinthians that he'd been there back when, and then he's over here, and his writing skills definitely, or his, maybe his sight, eyesight was bad enough that he needed someone to help him write these letters. And maybe if this Sophonies was the guy that got beat up, he's like giggling to himself a little bit that, here, I'm writing this letter to these people in this town. Remember when I got beat up there, Paul, and, you know, and everything, and that all happened or whatever? So you can reminisce about God's faithfulness and where he's at and where he's taking you from maybe that to the next place. We're never too far for Christ to reach us wherever we're at, wherever we've, we've fallen to or wherever we're standing or whatever's going on with us. He's still there. He's just waiting for us to turn around and, and just dive deep into fellowship and worship of him and just loving him again and reading his word and eating it up and just hiding it in our hearts and taking it to this lost and dying world because that's what everybody out there needs. I don't believe there's anybody out there that really needs my political view. They don't need my best thought on what kind of wood to use to smoke a brisket or whatever. We can make that part of the conversation, but our conversation should be getting us to Christ somewhere, especially if they're lost. A good way to practice that is to talk to somebody that you know that's a believer and tell them about Christ. And they go, man, that's really good. And maybe they'll think about it more. And they go, man, you know, you said a couple of things while we were talking. And the next time I talk to my brother or sister or whatever, or the guy I work with, I'm going to tell him some of the things that you just said because I think that would make sense to him. Wait a minute. Now we're being Holy Spirit fed and led. And we're getting into the Word we're loving Jesus Christ, we're loving each other, and we're getting excited about what God wants to do with us. And we have our joy. And, and we get back out there and you're like, well, I'm in the fight again. The good fight, right? The good fight of Jesus Christ. Um, I work at the place that's a part of the thing that's coming up, Fall Fest. I work at a 24-7 care home for boys and then there's a girl's version of that a few miles away those kids need good news we get to share it with them all the time when we're there and just talk about Jesus freely as we can be and it's you know we're planting and we're watering the increase is up to God it's all his it's all his we just get to tell them 
about our relationship with Jesus Christ. I've had some hard knocks in my life. My back testimony, if you guys wanted to listen to it, it's pretty rough in some points. But that, that's not the point. The point is, there's a good God that loves me despite all that. There's a good God that loves those kids that I work with all the time, that loves them despite anything that's ever been done to them or by them. And, and we put that in their mind, and we hope that it gets to their heart someday. That they, when they leave that ranch, when they graduate out of the program, or however they get out of there, that when they get home or wherever they go to, they have Christ in them. And there's something that the Holy Spirit gets to speak to those words that you spoke to them maybe a lot of years before. A lot of you know my testimony. I didn't get saved until I was almost 40 years old. I had a sister who just faithfully kept loving me, just loving me, sending me letters from college, and her friends would write me letters from college and tell me about Jesus. I'm like, yeah, I'm so happy for my sister. I'm so happy for her friends. What about you, Mike? Uh, it's not for me. I'm too bad. I'm too messed up. That's never going to happen for me. I don't know how I'd ever be as nice and have all the good attributes that my sister and her friends have. They just seem like the sweetest, most wonderful people in the world. And I thought, I am not that person. And believe me, ask my wife, I'm not. But the thing is, Christ can change us. He can take us from who we were and make us into that thing that he wants us to be because he loves us so much. He's faithful to do it. He's faithful to complete that work that he started in each and every one of us here until the day of Christ Jesus, right? So now I'm, I'm watching my time again. So I think I'm okay. I think I got a few more minutes. You know, I love talking about the Word of God, and we had all this information that I talked about. And it's very important. And some of us are more geeky than others. And we really like all those little de details and the years and the timelines and the, you know, how this got done and all that thing. I'm more of a pictures guy, but I do like reading the stuff that God talks about in his Bible. When I first got saved, I fell in love with the idea of, I thought, man, I'd like to get on a ship and just tell people about Jesus. That would be so cool. And I'd tell them, Paul must have had the most awesome life of anybody in the world. And a lot of the people I knew would say, you need to read more about what happened to Paul and all the things. He got shipwrecked, stoned. But all I was thinking about that time, because I was freshly a new little babe in Christ, was, man... Who cares what happens? I just love Jesus, right? I want to tell people about Jesus. I want them to know Jesus Christ. That's all I want. I want them to know the God that I know so that they can leave here knowing Him and have eternal life, resting in Him with heaven, in heaven one day. That Me and uh, Robert, who I work with, were talking today and every morning on our way to work, we pray. And Robert said, I don't remember exactly how the conversation got to that, but he said, I don't know how people make it without the Lord. 
And then we read the news. We, that's what they do. That's what we did. That's what I did. Oops, smacking things around. That's what we do. I mean, that's, that, that's what you do. You sour in what the world has and you die in it. It just eats you up and it kills you and it just takes you day by day by day and just keeps picking away at you. But when we have Christ and we're renewed in Him, that changes everything. So why not tell somebody else about that? So I guess I'm kind of calling us all out. I'm calling myself out that, hey, Paul remained faithful. That's a good part of why we're here today is because of Paul's faithfulness to the God that called him. So I guess what I'm going to say is let's be faithful as Paul was faithful to him who is always faithful. Amen? Amen. All right. I'm going to say this because it's true. I love you guys. Because Christ first loved me. Can you say that to each other sitting out there? I love you because Christ first loved me. And if you can't say that tonight... To somebody next to you. Because you don't have that relationship with Christ. Don't leave here without changing that. God loves you. God loves you. He has good news for you. He came to save you. Because he loves you. He died on the cross because he loves you. He wants your eternal destination to be with him. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, let's pray and then we'll call Grayson back up. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much tonight for your word, for your exhortation to our hearts and our minds, Lord. Uh, Lord, just thank you for the examples that you poured out into this word here for us to, to glean from, Lord, to look at. Lord, and to, and to just know that we get to tell others about you. We get to tell people the good news. We just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Everybody say it with me. Amen.